I want our listeners to take a moment and think back to the last time they logged on. Who did you chat to? What did you retweet? How many times did you claim that you were going to commit mass genocide against a rugby league team? It's hard to recall than you might think. In the hazy spring of late 2020, Sydney Sider and white podcaster Alistair Bates woke up and went to work like it was any other day, that it would be his last breathing free air as a Twitter account holder. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from uh, Alistair B. Man Bates, an inmate at Correctional Institution. Today, Bates sits behind bars, angry and alone. His account, taken away by the Twitter police, was threats of violence made against the state of origin losing team. I'm Sarah Kanan, and this is Take a Look Around Pod. Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. People everywhere, join hands. Let's start a ghost ship. Ghost ship. <laughs> Hello, my name is Shawnee Campion, and welcome to the season finale of Take a Look Around Season 1. As always, I'm joined by my brother in new metal, the flatulent, loyal, and fair-weathered <laughs> fan, Alistair B-Man Bates. How are you, Ghost Al? Good, Ghost Sean. I can't believe it. We're end of Season 1, man. We did it. We ran. It was a hard sprint, and we got to the finish line. And we we won, mate. We maybe no other shows fit to shine our shoes. We we are the champions. <laughs> we absolutely cleaned up at the Australian Podcast Awards too. That's right, a second ceremony, number two. <laughs> That's that real. Executive co-produced <laughs> overnight after finding out about the Australian Podcast Awards <laughs> at about ten thirty at night last night. Uh, we had a late night telethon. Went great. We cleaned up. <laughs> Let's just say we're back in the red. Yeah. Which... <laughs> 32 episodes, an odd number to finish on, but hey, my annual leave is starting, and Al has been perma-banned off Twitter. <laughs> so it felt as good a time as any to end on a high note. <laughs> yeah. How did you get perma-banned, Al? Well, I, th- I, I mean, I thought it was a joke, but... I guess the people at Twitter saw it as a threat on the lives of the New South Wales Blues team for the state of origin because my brother and I put a bet on them and the bet did not go exactly how my brother and I had planned it to go. (laughs) And if you're going to use a certain word... (laughs) I I may have jokingly... And you got to understand the context. A lot of people know when I'm going to say I'm going to kill somebody. They know I'm not going to do it. They know I'm not that kind of guy. But apparently if you tweet, I'm going to kill the state of origin <laughs> New South Wales team, you will have your computer 
and all of your emails, including burner emails, blocked <laughs> <laughs> by Twitter.com. Oh, um, that's incredible. So that's, I guess, this, this ties into one of the questions from the mailbags. <laughs> come on, come on, get down with the mailbag. Come on, come on, get down with the mailbag. All right, uh, we have a very special uh, mailbag question, um, which is actually postmarked from the month of February of this year from two bright-faced little boys <laughs> by the names of Shawnee and Al, and they have asked... Dear future Sean and Al, <laughs> what have you learned? Uh, what have we learned? What do you reckon? I would say that when I went into this and I told people what the podcast was about, they were like, oh, that's niche. And now I have realized that the new metal film is not niche. Not there at are all. so many fucking titles that we are able to... <laughs> We literally had people pitching us stuff every single week to do. There is no bottom <laughs> to the list of films that have got a Mudvayne song stapled over the top of their 1950s ghost ship remake. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think I've learned that maybe Warner Brothers were the most new metal cinema company at the time. I feel like every film we've watched was... Uh, produced and distributed by Warner Brothers just by virtue of a lot of new metal acts being on Warner Brothers music. Uh, I also and... learned that while initially this seemed like kind of a style and uh, an aesthetic that was applied to all action films across the era, these were all made by a not necessarily a tight-knit group, all with connections back to the same four or five people. Your Joel Silvers, your Neil H. Moritzes, your Dark Castle Entertainments. Mm. They Absolutely. all had their fingers in the pies of this era. Mm, and what a pie it was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a lot of these films as well. I mean, we kind of knew, but it really just confirmed that a lot of these pieces of shit were filmed in Australia too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would happily say that new metal is the most Australian music genre ever. I, I, I'm going that. to call call that. Uh, Ghost Ship is another fantastic example of Australian new metal filmmaking. It is the homegrown Australian film genre and probably a genre that we ex accepted with open arms, you know? Uh, I, I think I've also learned that there is no end to Al's uh, temper and that I will always get on his nerves and I will continue to push those buttons on and on and on for seasons to come. <laughs> I feel like I've mellowed out since my medication has been managed properly. <laughs> Alright, um, how about we watch four more u Ball movies? No! <laughs> <laughs> And um, I guess another thing is, uh, it's another lesson we've learned is that uh, you, the listener, back us, which is something that we appreciate very, very much. I think going into a project, I was certainly, you know, very anxious just because that's how I am. So it was very nice to hear a lot of you guys being very nice about 
listening to the show. You know, you don't do stuff hoping for people to listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, you just make stuff for the sake of making stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it's been a good exercise in backing ourselves, Sean. Without the listener, Al is nothing. Personally, I have a, a great sense of self and <laughs> self-worth. So I, I could do it either way without you guys. But oh, for man. Al, this has been fantastic. Look, after they've deplatformed me, this will be the only way of me communicating. <laughs> this is my soapbox, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, we're going to go de- deeper into Q and a lot of the deep state stuff that uh, Parla won't let me tweet about anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> Al, I believe you hold in your hand a second letter. I do. And this is also addressed from you and I in the past. And that letter reads... Um, I've lost the letter. Hang on. <laughs> the letter's not actually real, Al. It's uh, kind what of... <laughs> was the worst movie we had to watch for the show this year? Ooh, great question. So that includes both... Our highly coveted Patreon episodes and regular feed. That's right, our Patreon that starts at $5 per month for members. And we'll continue in between seasons for the next two months with new original content each week. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> great, great plug. <laughs> if I had to pick a, one of the worst films I have ever seen that is still the gold standard to which I rate everything back to when we watch this pod, that if something is so bad, at least it wasn't as bad as Blair Witch 2, The Book of Shadows. Fair enough. Yeah, that was... A- Holy shit. We capped that one off as the... Th- I think it was our fourth episode, fifth yeah. episode, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was... Um- was I in hospital still when we did that episode? I had a bit of a health scare at the start of the year, so the first couple of episodes, you can't tell. I, I recorded from a uh, hospital bed, and I remember being uh, just unwell dealing with medication and watching the first run of movies, just <laughs> delirious and depressed and just, just, you know, stuck in this room where I couldn't leave. Um, I think Blair Witch 2 was pretty bad. Uh, I'm still going to have to go with our lost episode, the butterfly effect, which was just, just horrible. Like just crass on every level. Like I just, it really emotionally affected me to the point of me pleading Sean, who then later watched it and was like, you are totally right. We cannot do this movie. There's just nothing fun about it. You cannot possibly riff on a film like that and it's not even insensitive in like a real funny way it's it, it's knowingly yuck and it just three minutes 40 before a child sexual assault occurs in that film yeah exactly there is nothing fun about that movie that's a cop-out al you got to give me a film that the listeners would have heard you take apart that's true um is there anything from your memory that I chucked a wobbly about the most? The Insane Clown Posse film, Big Money Hustlers. Oh, yeah, that was pretty... I bad. think both of us <laughs> were just gobsmacked at how what is essentially a high school theatre production somehow managed to go 
double platinum in the United States alone. Yeah, it's it's, it's something else, man. Uh, but I feel like even just through rose tinted glasses, it's not that not that bad to say. Ooh, I don't know. Fight Club was pretty shitty. I'd only seen that for the first time when we'd watched it. So I had none of the childhood uh, fondness for it. I just fucking hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a pleasant surprise was... Yeah, do we want to go the inverse as well? I absolutely fucking adored Triple X. I thought that that was such a rambunctious film that like far and away just feels fresh even today despite the fact that it is all about motocross first person shooter <laughs> video game james bond it was a very pleasant surprise to rewatch. yeah it was pretty sweet um i think maybe my favorite film that we did on the main feed would probably be bride of chucky i oh yeah fantastic i fucking laughed so much I just loved it. Rude fucking dough. Oh, man. man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the best Patreon movie we did is still The Fanatic, though. I think oh, it's... Oh, absolutely. Uh, episode on The Fanatic, Lost in the Durst first, with our good friend Mitchell Tudley, uh, can mm. be found on the, the main feed. So go check it out. It's genuinely an, a fantastic film. Oh. That, far and away exceeds the hype or any buzz you would have heard about it, negative or positive. Mm. It has to be seen to be believed. Just one more thing. The Miseducation of Charlie Banks, that might be my number three for the shittiest movies we watched this year. (laughs) Fucking hell. Look, Sean, now we've answered these questions, before we get stuck into the movie, should we see... For one last time, if there's any upcoming new metal news about the movies, the new metal movies, that is. I would certainly love to do this one last time. Can I please have a drum roll? Yes, you can have a drum roll for one last time. <laughs> only we can fly! Okay, I have read the tea leaves, I have scanned the skies, I have pulled the top card from the tarot deck, and it is revealed, the fool, for there are no new, new metal movies. We got nothing on the horizon, baby. (laughs) Don't worry, next year we might have some news or gossip for new metal. Ooh, (laughs) and potentially... Some kind of far-reaching scheme. (laughs) You'll have to tune Uh, in next year to find out. But for now, I would like you all to close your eyes and think of a Caribbean cruise. But this time, it's haunted. Wow! Murphy. I'm Jack Farrington. I fly the Arctic Weather Patrol. Last month, I was out in the middle of the strait when I came across this. Congratulations. You found a boat in the middle of the ocean. What do you think a ship like this could be worth? Depends on if we have the right to salvage it. I do know one thing. Sea gives you an opportunity, you take it. Yo, Murph, I think you should get up here. 
It's an ocean liner. It's the Antonio Grasa. Any sign of what might have happened? Nothing. No passengers. No crew. No captain. No mention of anything in the ship's log. What do you make of that? The ghost ship. I saw something I couldn't possibly have seen. I think I saw a little girl. seriously wrong with this boat haunted possessed whatever you want to call it i said we get our boat going and get the hell out of here what are we gonna do we have got to get off this boat now bon voyage okay ghost ship a film by dark castle entertainment from the year 2002. Now, we've covered Dark Castle Entertainment briefly on the pod before with 2005's House of Wax. It was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers Entertainment designed to take existing properties from Warner Brothers' long-running and storied history of films and update them with a new funky modern edge. We will be covering the whole Dark Castle catalog throughout the pod, but today we get our most requested film by the fans, Ghost Ship. And I gotta ask you guys Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just don't understand. I just literally, this whole film just. Uh, I, I just. It, wa- it washed over me in the same way that, like. Seawater washes over a shipwreck. Yeah, baby, a ghost ship. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Let's Uh, get stuck straight into it, shall we? (laughs) So the film opens with this pretty pretty amazing opening sequence where ghost ship is where it's it's designed to look like calling the boat ghost ship (laughs) (laughs) yeah what else are we gonna call it it's got some italian name we look at this like 1940s cruise liner as we're all going around this film is like remarkably 1940s and yet the film is supposed to have taken place in the 60s i know what the fuck was that (laughs) and it's just like were they like oh we've got all these leftover like I think Costumes that may have been it. Great something. Gatsby was being shot on the soundstage next door to it or something. <laughs> They're like, and basically we see the captain's ball of a of a luxury cruise liner, the final dance before they pull into port. A young, an extremely young Emily Browning of Sucker Punch, uh, Sleeping Beauty. That's who that was. Yeah, this is her first film role and she plays a young girl who's invited to the captain's ball by the captain himself. 
And then we get what is regarded as one of the best sequences of this era. This is up there with the blood rave for a lot of people. And it holds up. This mm. is pretty fucking incredible. As a taut line is pulled on the rigging that then whips through the entire ball and everyone cascades apart like that Resident Evil laser sequence. Yeah, it's pretty they gnarly. All fall apart like, you know... Like you've used the slap chop or a, or what are those things called? I think they're called the slap chop. Magic bullet. Man, yeah, slap chopping people. <laughs> That's what we're doing. It's new metal. We're slap chopping. Yeah, you're getting slap chopped. <laughs> yeah. Smash cut to the present day of 2002 as a salvage crew attempt to salvage a sinking barge. This is an absolutely dizzying action sequence. As uh, I think I counted that there was one second between shots for this entire sequence. The salvage mm. crew is able to save the sunken barge and collect a big payday. And we are introduced to the crew. We get Gabrielle Byrne, who I think was must have like, what was happening in Gabrielle Byrne's life between 1999 and 2003 that he did End of Days, Stigmata, and Ghost Ship. Like, dude, you were nominated for Oscars. Yeah, I always thought he was Australian, and only just found out, like, just before started recording that he's Irish. Because I just feel like I saw him in a million I- uh, Australian productions. He was and in Jindabyne think- with... Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Anthony LaPaglia. Yeah, which, yeah. Um, Probably the best movie based off a Paul Kelly song, of which there are one. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, he was awesome in Hereditary, but he's just one of those actors that... I don't know if he sucks, he's just, like... I don't think I've ever seen him... And I love Hereditary, but I don't know if it's, like... Like, now the hype has died down. That's still pretty good. Now girls have stopped listening when you talk about it at parties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like, I don't know, I think um, Midsummer might have taken a bit of the sheen off Hereditary for me, which is stupid. But, um, Has your A24 hand tattoo washed off yet? <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Look, Gabrielle Byrne had a good early 90s. He did Miller's Crossing. Yeah, that's right. And In the Name of the Father. But he, you know, I think something went wrong in his life yeah, here. Kind of like all great character actors, he just kind of flubbed it. and <laughs> You know, like, he'll have maybe his late 70s uh, to 80s run like kind of like how harry dean stanton once again got his fucking fourth wind in his 80s (laughs) but i think he's just going to be cameoing in a lot of shit from here on out yeah uh this was originally written for brian cox who walked off last minute to do the ring uh pretty good good choice to be honest (laughs) and so gabrielle byrne was a late stand-in also along for the ride, we have Juliana Margailas, uh, not how you pronounce that name, Alex Dimitriadis from Kings of Mykonos, The Wog Boy 2. Mate, you're Hugh Hefneropoulos. Playing a Mexican guy named Santos. He's also fantastic in uh, classic Australian queer film, Head On. But in this, he is just ridiculous. That accent, <laughs> it is. Oof, it sends me. Uh, along yeah. for the ride as well, we've got Isaiah Washington from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, one of the most cancelled people in the world. <laughs> yes, incredibly cancelled. 
And uh, in their filmmaking debut, we've got Billy Butcher, Dr. Bones from Star Trek, Judge Dredd, it's Carl Urban. Oh, fuck yeah, of course. Was this his first film? This was his first film. Uh, Man, he got done dirty, dude. I feel like Carl Urban should have... I guess he probably can make pretty decent bank off being one of those Comic-Con dudes, but I feel like he should have had something bigger. Judge Dredd got fucking robbed, man. That movie should have won every Oscar that year. Did you see Duncan Jones on Twitter prior to you were perma-banned uh, saying that they need to finally make a good Judge Dredd movie and Carl Urban just quote tweeted it with go fuck yourself. <laughs> that rocks. <laughs> <laughs> We've brought up this story a million times, but just Duncan Jones showing dying David Bowie, Warcraft and da- dying David Bowie apparently loving it is... <laughs> Just like the, the funniest story fuck in the you, world. Duncan Jones. <laughs> I think you're completely right about Carl Urban. He has been robbed. Uh, my girlfriend um, brought him up when we were watching this. That she thought that the boys was going was his breakout role. She didn't recognize him from anything else. And he's fantastic in that. Terrible accent aside. But I'm really hoping that The Boys is a good way for him and Anthony Starr as Homelander to really kind of get a bit of a boost in their careers and get back into movies. Yeah. Is The Boys worth checking out? It's it, fantastic. It's Garth, you haven't, it's a Garth Ennis book, right? Or is it Mark Miller? It's a Garth Ennis... Um, uh, there once was a man from Ennis. <laughs> uh, a With a dick so long. Oh, wait. <laughs> he could play tennis. Um, hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's a Garth Ennis comic, but it's far and away removed from what preconceptions you'd have about what that means in your head. It's oh, I the like best Garth TV- it's he the did best that straight Iron one. Man run, right? What was it where he... No, Iron... that's Warren Ellis. Oh, right. Okay, we'll forget that then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the TV show is far and away the best show on TV. It does the best job of skewering uh, kind of modern Trump era uh, values in, from the media. Sure. Uh, and it's the best skewering of the superhero genre you've seen. Like, I, I cannot stress. It's, it's really worth checking out. Yeah, sick. I'll... Take the hour you would spend listening to this podcast a week and watch the boys. No! (laughs) I ain't gonna! Um, So basically... Yeah, basically, they're a salvage crew and they are told by the guy from Gossip Girl that he wants to check out this, you know, this salvage wreck he's been able to find. So they go back out onto the high seas after three months at sea where they almost smack bang hit this deserted ghost ship. And if that reminds you of anything, that's because this is not going to be the first time that this film far and away just rips off sequences, plot points, set design, script and dialogue from Event Horizon. This is Event Horizon on a ghost ship. Fuck, it is. Right down to like the the sexy naked lady tricking somebody to fall to their death. Absolutely. There are so many sequences just outrageously cribbed from 
Event Horizon, one of the greatest new metal films of all time. Mm. Uh, but you know what this film has that that doesn't have? Alex Dimitriotis rocking out to Mudvayne in a tugboat. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. So the crew launches onto the ghost ship to check out what's going on kind of we we touched on this before this is supposed to be set in the 60s but it's all 1940s props and costume design and they're so theatrical like when they go to the captain's quarters the captain just has paintings of boats and ships on his walls there's like an e-type jaguar in the hold of the of the of the boat it's really just like oh we've got to make this as you know film school as possible really hang a hat on a hat about the the period yes yeah totally like in, in my head the only thing that makes sense to me about the the the, the set design and everything and, and costuming for the 60s is that maybe they were having a 1940s 1920s themed <laughs> party in the 60s but uh it really is I I, it's a gangsters and oh yeah 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 ball. gangsters and moles party <laughs> i mean I, I, I just don't know how you can there are like reference books for stuff like this that are easily accessible to have a look at design and uh yeah i don't know this film this film's weird so the crew starts finding signifiers that they potentially aren't the first people to discover this ghost ship they find a digital casio watch bullet holes surrounding the area and they start being um stalked by a number of ghosts emily browning's little girl appears a few more times they find a whole bunch of gold where as soon as i see gold on an abandoned boat i'm just like that's nazi gold that's definitely yeah. Nazi gold. <laughs> yeah, well, the numbers were filed off. Like, of course it's Nazi gold. That's Nazi gold. What's and the deal with gold? Like, is it illegal to have? Or, I mean, I know you is can Is it illegal gold. to have gold? No, but I mean, like, you know how, like, in you movies... You can have as when... much gold as you like, Al. You just gotta pay for it. Yeah, I mean, what's the thing? Do you have to pay taxes on gold? Uh, yeah. I, I... It's like a capital gain. It's an yeah. asset. That doesn't sit right with me, man. You're, you're punishing people for you're punishing people for being entrepreneurial. I have mm. to wear a seatbelt while I drive my car. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Bill Shorten's Australia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the Gary Gary wants to come and talk about ghost ship now. Um, I guess the whole. Oh, fuck off, Gary. <laughs> Sorry, he's <laughs> climbing onto the laptop now. Gary is a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think once the gold kind of gets thrown into the mix, that becomes the main plot point. So it's funny you mention that because the cast and crew, well, at least the cast, signed onto a film called Ghost Ship in which a salvage team find gold on a ghost ship and are all turned against each other by their own lust and greed. Uh, not unlike, you know, an earlier amazing... Treasure of Sierra Madre is a classic yep. example of, uh, yeah. Yeah, or uh, Open Water, the mm. Jeffrey Rush, um, Nicole Kidman film. Oh, no, it's Sam Neill. That movie's great. Billy Zane as well. Oh, yeah. Let's, is there any new metal in that? we got to do that. No, but it's is it a George Miller film? It's a George Miller film. Might be. Yeah, or so. is it called... What did I call it? Open Water? Oh, no, it's called Dead Calm. <laughs> yeah, Dead that's... Calm. What the hell 
was that? Anyway, cast got off the airplane. They were given the script to ghost ship, only to find that the thing had completely shifted into this shining ripoff that uh, they were all contractually obliged to appear in. Juliana Morgales has uh, refused to ever talk about the film after it came out. She's disowned it. Wow, what a spoil sport. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. As in, I honestly can't remember any of the story bits. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, from here on out, the ghosts start attacking the people. Carl Urban has to eat worms. Oh, yeah, the, the Lost Boys trick of yeah. uh, this This low main is actually worms. The Santos, Alex Dimitriadis, is killed in this incredible tugboat explosion. Not the last time you'll hear the words incredible tugboat explosion on this podcast, I hope. Uh, so they're all stuck on the ghost ship. Isaiah Washington, an extremely horny man who misses his fiance. Oh yeah, it's not cheating if it's not with a ghost. Is yeah, he's, he's tricked by this horny Italian nude lady <laughs> to uh, fall to his death down an elevator shaft. The little girl then comes to Juliana and tells her that uh the history of what really happened on the ghost ship well we get oh god this sequence just leapt off the screen this film has got some genuinely good sequences in it the tugboat explosion the the wire at the start of the film at the captain's (laughs) ball sorry gary's just like literally just sitting on the keyboard and is refusing (laughs) to get off and then you've got the amazing uh sequence in which we see what really happened on the ghost ship as it was a a crew of these mutineers who murdered everyone with poison and shot them to death and that amazing like nine inch nails style like new metal song is Mm. like tracking the montage it's an original song by John Frizzell. We'll play it at the end of this. It's it's like evil Portishead. And it's all revealed that the guy from Gossip Girl is actually a demon. And he's been sent to collect souls. His whole thing is he traps people with gold on the ghost ship. And then he kills them. Because what? apparently we can't escape the neoliberal hell of demons needing KPIs and quotas even in the afterlife. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is your fire. I feel like I just totally missed that. It was so badly telegraphed in the film that I had to watch a YouTube video and read the Wikipedia analysis of what actually happened. That's fucking crazy. You remember that the Gossip Girl guy is the bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's never really telegraphed why he somehow has superpowers. Yeah. I th- I just thought it was the ghost being a ghost ship. And I remember like that whole sequence of the chefs poisoning the food. And, and yeah, the, the scene of the mutineers. But I, I just... I don't remember why any of that <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so badly telegraphed. You cannot tell what's going on. Yeah. The whole ship blows up and Juliana Margailos is um, drafted out. by. She's found by another cruise liner. And the, as she's being taken away in a, an ambulance, it's re- you see oh, yeah. Berry Man, the he's gossip girl guy. He's back alive and he's transporting the gold onto a new ship. And then Mudvayne plays and the whole thing starts <laughs> over again. 
Wow, that is hell. <laughs> <laughs> For the final time, let's talk production. We do it like this. So we basically covered a lot of the main production beats throughout just yammering about the movie. Uh, the only thing really I can notably mention about this film is Steve Beck, the director, previously had his directorial debut uh, working on 13 Ghosts, also an Australian film for Dark Castle Entertainment. And then this would be his final <laughs> directorial effort with Ghost Ship. What a sterling run. That's a John Cazaley <laughs> yeah. level of run right there. Quit, quit whilst on top. I guess the other thing is that most of the fucking set and props from this film are just recycled from the Scooby-Doo film that was filmed that year as well. You're kidding. <laughs> no, it's the same... Po- uh, it was the same... VFX team as well, so they just reused all of, a fair bit of the CGI and animation was just repurposed for this film. Wow. Uh, as were the miniatures. <laughs> and yeah, I mean that uh, the the boat, that thirty five foot recreation is uh, is uh, I think still floating around up in Queensland. Really? Yeah, I think it's like maybe on the property of movie world or something or something but just very <laughs> yeah awesome. yeah we'll go with that <laughs> i guess on top of this uh ghost ship would see really this would probably be towards the end of the era of the tax rebates that made filming in australia so profitable for foreign pictures especially horror pictures would really go the way of the dinosaur in the coming years as we would transition out of the howard era which is why we don't get a lot of big name productions anymore we'll get the occasional one like aquaman that will call for it due to you know the requirements you know jungle and uh, aquatic settings Mm. but long gone are the tax breaks that were offered to the matrix or lethal weapon the star wars films that made it so profitable to film in australia and probably a big reason of that is why this new metal boom was able to kick off in Australia, films like Queen of the Damned were able to be shot for cents on the dollar due to the tax breaks offered. Mm. Will we ever see... And I'm hoping that if we ever get the uh, the resurgence in the Australian film industry, it brings along for the ride a new metal movie resurgence. All I'm saying is new metal has been uh, affected directly by taxation, which is why... We need to stop punishing harder <laughs> entrepreneurs. <laughs> All I'm saying, taxation is theft. A significant other is about to turn 20 years old. <laughs> it makes sense that the two would coincide in 2021 being the year of the new metal film where taxation is abolished forever. Ah, uh, fuck. I should not have to pass a driving exam to be able to drive the car that I have purchased. How many years do you think it is to, like, one of us just goes full fucking lit shit libertarian? Eight months. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I guess with the soundtrack, there's only really, like, it's mostly just original score with, uh, what, that one mudvane song 
Yeah, like I, I mentioned at the start of the episode, Dark Castle Entertainment's whole thing would be that they would take existing properties and just slap some metal over the top and give it some fresh faces to update what was going on. You know, and like the Mudvayne song feels so out of place mm. in this, in what is supposed to be this classical Silent Hill style ghost film. We just get <laughs> over the top of it. Uh, the original score is by John Frizzell. We have brought him up on the podcast before. He is the go-to composer for Mike Judge films, having scored Beavis and Butthead Do America and Office Space. That's crazy. Yeah. He, uh, also, he also composed that fantastic song I mentioned before that we'll close out on today, along with Alien Resurrection, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and 13 Ghosts. Oh, he also made the King of the Hill theme song. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Oh, well, I always thought that was like... I'm a, I'm a, I always thought that was like a Minutemen song, but now I've realized I'm thinking of uh, Jackass. Lit. Yeah. <laughs> so, Al, closing out for the final time, I'm going to need your bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. Well... I've been thinking long and hard about this. And I'm probably going to have to just give a, this one body hitting the floor. But that body has been cut in half, so technically it's two two bodies hitting the floor. Two separate parts hitting the floor. So maybe two? Well, that'd be two halves, which just equal one. One body. Yeah, well, like it's, it's yeah. literally bodies hitting the floor if <laughs> yeah. you're talking about a body being cut in half, which happens I'm, in this film. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking, but like... Uh, vertically, so it's like from head down to junk, so that is still technically Have two. we discovered another mathematical equation? Uh, n- <laughs> not yet. Are we mathematical geniuses? I think so. <laughs> it's yeah. just numbers, man. I think uh, it's safe to say it's just numbers, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just numbers, dude. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. This really just, as I said earlier, washed over me, kind of like the ocean water does with driftwood. It was pretty pretty you know you talked about how horribly everything was telegraphed so i'm kind of glad that i'm not going senile or anything or just losing my comprehension skills because uh, i really at no point had any idea what was happening i I really (laughs) what about you shawnee i think for me this film is an interesting film to go out on because it's like all good new metal films it's a derivative of something mm-hmm. else and this is so de- this is derivative of an even better new metal film the majority of this film comes from event horizon but films like ghost ship i tended to stay away from when i was younger and saw the incredible poster for the film in the video store because i thought that these films would be just tacky and bad but as i watch them as an adult i just see how light and fluffy this film is Mm. you could watch this at any time of day or night and just have like a perfectly placid and pleasant experience for me this is going to be a whopping two and a half bodies hitting the floor (laughs) i had a really decent time yeah fair enough yeah look we've definitely watched a lot worse 
I know that's my mantra. That or this is the worst movie we've watched. But <laughs> I just don't understand why everyone was requesting this film. But that's the the one thing I don't understand the most. But because this, as you said, was our most requested movie. I guess it's probably everyone our age most likely not everyone, but a lot of people our age probably saw it at cinemas and I think maybe the way it lines up, it was probably one of the first MA films a lot of us probably got to go see. Yeah, I but, see uh, that, definitely. But, it's a lot of the same reason people have such fond memories of our first film we covered on the pod, way back on Queen of the Dan, mm. released the same year as this. This was... Yeah. 2002 was the year that the new metal film lined up with quite a lot of us as being a film we would watch in cinemas. And that's why we have such fond memories of it. Yeah, the sure. early days of home DVD as well. Yeah, that's very true. In regards to going home, <laughs> um, uh, let's let's dock this ship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dare to dock, baby. <laughs> yeah, for the next two months, we're taking a little break on the pod. We'll be back with a whole new show, new segments, same stupid voices uh, <laughs> at the end of January, start of February. We are still running uh, weekly bonus episodes on the Patreon for any subscribers. For the month of December, you are getting Kissmas. The films of Kiss and the neoliberal money-making hellhole machine <laughs> that was spawned off the back of it. And for January, we're going to do... Funky Monkey Friday. Funky Monkey Friday, why not? <laughs> the worst films of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh, for man. the main feed, we'll be putting up some of our favorite Patreon episodes, along with the occasional little gem that we've recorded along the way. There will be some surprises over the next two months. Thanks so much for joining us for the first season of Take a Look Around. It's been an absolute pleasure. Nay, I say an absolute pleasure. I mean, honor. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, team. And bye. Hey Al, while we're just um winding down real quick, um, where did you end up putting the like the the Durst computer when it broke down? Oh man, I just kind of put it back together and put it uh down in the basement to harvest crypto. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think it does anything anymore. I, I... Lit. Well, I'm planning to burn down the studio for insurance money, so uh, we'll just leave it there. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Lit. Let's get uh, <laughs> let's get a cheeseburger. All right, all righty. Good good work. Season one, we're done. Already one thousand. This camera, why was I made to feel the pain? I have no mouth. I have no mouth. I have no mouth. No mouth, but I have no mouth, but I must breathe. Why was I made to feel the pain? Son, Al, Son, Al, Father, please, let's call 
why did you make me feel this pain so free? I'm all scream. I'm all scream.